Good morning, and welcome to Drawing the Morning. This is Stuart McClellan, the pastor of the Altoona Bible Church. We are conveniently located at Union Avenue and 31st Street on Route 36, the Columbia Park section of Altoona. We hope that this broadcast will help you think on the things of the Lord as you prepare your heart for ministry among the saints today. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes of inspiring music, challenging stories, and a Bible study. Listen now as the Altoona Bible Church Choir opens our broadcast this morning with the song entitled, He Made a Change featuring John Harris. Finally forgiven, 
He can make a change in me. He can make a change in you. Oh, if he can make a change in me, he can make a change in you. Yes, if he can make a change in me, he can make a change in you. Sir Michael Costa, the celebrated conductor, was holding a rehearsal as the mighty chorus rang out, accompanied by scores of instruments, the piccolo player, thinking perhaps that his contribution would not be missed, stopped playing. Suddenly, the great leader stopped and cried out, Where is the piccolo? The sound of that one small instrument was necessary to the harmony, and the conductor missed it when it dropped out. To the conductor, there are no insignificant instruments in an orchestra. Sometimes the smallest and seemingly least important one can make the greatest contribution. Even if it doesn't seem to make that big of a difference, the conductor knows. In the church... The players and the instruments are very diverse. Like the piccolo player, we often decide our own contribution is insignificant. It couldn't possibly make a difference, so we stop doing that which we've been given to do. We drop out for whatever reason. Exhaustion, insecurity, criticism, laziness. But the conductor immediately notices. We think it's a small thing, but to God it's crucial. Our purpose in life should be to perform our separate functions as well as we possibly can without envy for other people's gifts. Some are prayer warriors, some are evangelists, some are teachers, some are pastors, some give, some rule, some show mercy and compassion, some minister, some provide for the poor, and some watch over the local church. We are not all eyes, not hands, nor feet, and we are not all ears. If we were all the one same part like the eye, then how would we hear? And if we were all an ear, then how would we smell? How could the body work if we all had the same position? The diversity in the body allows the church to reach more people, to help more people, to minister to more people. The church is most effective when its members faithfully performing the different ministries to which God had called them. Listen now as Eileen Bickles sings for us this beautiful song entitled, He Giveth More Grace.
you're listening to Joy in the Morning, which is presented each Sunday at the same time by the Altoona Bible Church. We pray that as you listen to our broadcast this morning, that you are encouraged and that you and your family are getting ready to attend a good Bible teaching Sunday school and church. If you don't have a church for own to attend, we invite all who are seeking a Bible-honoring, Bible-teaching church to join us for our services. We begin with our Sunday school hour at 9.30. Here we have many classes for the various age groups. We also have a supervised nursery for little ones for all of our services. Then at 10.45 we all gather in the main auditorium for our morning worship service. Then at 6.45 we begin our closing service of the day, our evening fellowship hour. It is important that Christians gather together to study God's Word. Listen now. As Courtney Cook and Jesse Nagel play for us in the flutes, this song entitled, Above All. There is a story told of a man who was accused of killing someone and was on trial for murder. 
the man was innocent, but the case against him was strong, and his brother was afraid he'd be convicted. So he decided to bribe a seemingly slow-witted member of the jury, offering him $10,000 to convince the other jurors that his brother was guilty of manslaughter instead of murder. Well, it worked. And as he paid the slow-witted man the money, he asked him if it had been difficult to convince the other jurors. It sure was, he replied. They all thought that he was innocent and they wanted to let him go. Thirteen books of the New Testament were written by a murderer named Saul of Tarsus, who not only got saved, but he then became a servant of God and an apostle. God changed his name from Saul to Paul. Many people over the years have changed their names for one reason or another. Gerald Ford, born Leslie Lynch King Jr., was renamed after his stepfather, Gerald Rudolph Ford, at the age of three. His mother decided that it was a better option for the boy than keeping the name of his birth father, who had threatened both mother and infant with a butcher knife. Luckily, she ditched the father 16 days later, and Gerald Rudolph Ford Jr. is a man who would one day become the President of the United States. John Wayne was born Marion Robert Morrison. After moving to California from Iowa birthplace, a local fireman started calling him Little Duke because he was rarely seen without his giant dog named Duke. Later, the director, Raoul Walsh, switched Duke Morrison to John Wayne. The actor wasn't even present for the discussion. Bill Clinton was born William Jefferson Blight III, was initially named after his father. However, William Jefferson Blight Jr. died from injuries related to a car accident three months before his son was born. The widowed mother then married Roger Clinton Sr., The former president began using the Clinton surname soon after the 1950 wedding, but didn't legally change until age of 15. Annie Oakley, the Wild West sharpshooter, was born Phoebe Ann Moses. The name likely came from the Oakley area of Cincinnati, Ohio, where she and her family lived. But Saul didn't change his name because of fame, fortune, or infamy. Saul was named after Israel's first king, but got saved. The Lord told him, I will send thee far hence to the Gentiles. So Saul began to go by his Gentile name to reflect how God had sent him to the Gentiles. Does your name, followed by the words, follow the Lord Jesus Christ, reflect who you are today? Listen now as the ABC 4 sing this song for us entitled, God is There. need a friend to tell my troubles to. God is there. God is there. When I need a friend to give me strength anew. God is there. Always there. God is there. God is there. With a helping hand to lift my load of Faithful to the end, on his promise I depend. When I really need a friend, God is there. 
friend to guide me through the night. God is there, God is there. When I need a friend to make my pathway bright, God is there, always there. God is there. Time now for a Bible study portion for our broadcast. And this morning, the topic of our Bible study is rightly dividing the word of truth, the five mysteries of the Apostle Paul. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The mystery of iniquity is the last of Paul's five mysteries concerning the church, the body of Christ. What is the mystery of iniquity? The mystery of iniquity was already at work at Paul's time, working in the children of disobedience. Though it was working in the time of the Apostle Paul, the mystery of iniquity was not being fulfilled then, and it will not be fulfilled under the time the Antichrist will be revealed. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, withholdeth, is in the present tense. The word means to restrain, to hold down, to suppress, to hinder, to withhold. He might be revealed that he is the Antichrist. In fact, the word revealed is used in Second Thessalonians 2, 3, 2, 6, 2, 8 of the Antichrist. Revealed is made up of two words, and it literally means to uncover, to unveil. It is the unveiling, the revealing of the coming Antichrist. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, there are two titles used to describe the coming Antichrist. These two titles are the man of sin, the son of perdition. These titles clarify his ministry during the future 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation period. The 70th week of Daniel, or the tribulation period, will last for seven years. His two titles, the first part of the week... The first three and a half years, he's a man of sin. The second part of the week, the last three and a half years, he is a son of perdition. Why the change from the man of sin to the son of perdition? What causes the change? The only other individual to be called the son of perdition in the Bible was Judas, John 17, verse 12. The change will occur in the middle part of the week. The coming Antichrist will be assassinated, he will be killed, he will be then resurrected, and he will be seen as the beast ascending up out of the bottomless pit. This will be a superhuman form, and he will be incarnated by Satan. What a contrast and a difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming Antichrist. The Lord Jesus Christ was the man of sorrows. He is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Holy One of God, and He humbled Himself. The coming Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the wicked one, and He will exalt Himself. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, the word letteth in the present tense. It's actually the same word as found in verse number 6, the word withholdeth. The word let meant to hinder, to prevent, to obstruct. 
This is a permeation. It is an alteration, a transformation in a language. The word let has come to mean permit today, a complete opposite meaning of its original meaning and definition. Parallels. In 2.3, you have the falling away first. In 2.4, you have the man of sin be revealed. In 2.6, he be taken out of the way. 2.7, then shall the wicked be revealed. The Thessalonians who have been taught about the rapture, the Christian hope, now have been falsely taught and wrongly taught that they were the day of the Lord. The Christian hope was truly under a spiritual attack. To demonstrate how the Christian hope was under a spiritual attack, Compare 1 Thessalonians 1.3 with 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Between these two verses, there's a missing word. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 speaks of faith, hope, and love. And in 2 Thessalonians 1.3 speaks only of faith and love. The missing word was hope. Why was it missing? Because the hope of the church at Thessalonica was under spiritual attack. Even today in the 21st century, it is still absolutely under spiritual attack. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you have God's chronological order of future events, but through the Apostle Paul, through the eyes of grace, through the eyes of the mystery of the church, the body of Christ. In 2.3, you have the falling away first. In 2.7, until he be taken out of the way, the rapture. In 2.3, of the man of sin be revealed. Then shall the wicked be revealed. The order of the future coming events is always consistent. The rapture and then the revealing of the Antichrist. Question, could the Antichrist be born and alive on the earth right now? Notice I ask, could? The answer is yes. Right now. Could the Antichrist be revealed for who he is? No. There's a difference between being alive and being revealed. Questions. What is restraining the Antichrist from being revealed? Why hasn't the Antichrist been revealed? Some see the restraining force as Nero, Roman government, or human government, or even Satan himself. It is a person. He, God's restraining force, is the Holy Spirit in the church, the body of Christ. And when the church, the body of Christ, is taken out of the way, that's the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit's ministry through the church, the body of Christ, will no longer function on earth to restrain lawlessness or the manifestation of the Antichrist. He can only be revealed when that which restrains his manifestation is taken away. The very removal of the church, the body of Christ, God's restraining force, will release the world to sin that it has never seen before. Three reasons why the Thessalonians were not in the tribulation period. The departure of the falling away, 2 Thessalonians 2-3. The man of sin has not been revealed, and the he being taken out of the way. The same reasons why we're not in the tribulation period. Even though over 1,900 years have transpired, have passed between 2 Thessalonians and today, we're not in the day of the Lord. No matter what the world's circumstances may occur, what may be going on, we are not in the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, the tribulation period, cannot come until the church is taken out of the way or the departure. Hence, the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, is pre-tribulation. It will occur before the tribulation, before the 70th week of Daniel begins. There's been a moving away a disowning, a forsaking, a renouncing, a rejecting of the pre-tribulation rapture. Some leaving the pre-tribulation rapture have embraced various doctrinal positions, 
such as the pre-wrath rapture or a mid-tribulation rapture or maybe a post-tribulation rapture or any rapture of spiritual saints. Let no man deceive you. It is very clear and evident from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, will occur before the 70th week of Daniel. Hence why I emphatically definitely and categorically hold to the pre-tribulation rapture. It is the removal, the he, the church, the body of Christ, as indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that will permit Satan to move forward with his program of iniquity to release the world to sin that has never been before. Oh, we need to understand the Word of God. Believers, we need to study. We need to rightly divide it. We need to see God's truth. God has given us His Word to guide us, direct us today, that we can live and serve Him. been listening to Join the Morning from the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received real spiritual blessing from this broadcast. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan wishing you God's best for now and for eternity. Good morning, good morning.